0: Ruth chapter number 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 8. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. They said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I... Should have a husband also tonight, Would ye also bear, and should also bear sons? Would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. They lifted up their voice and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold. Thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God shall be my gods. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. I want to preach tonight for a few moments on this subject, Ruth and her future. It would seem to me if there ever was a character of the Bible that was almost hopeless in her condition, it would be Ruth. It seems as though that uh, buried beneath all the rubble of chapter number 1 that Ruth doesn't have a tomorrow that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Her birth as a Moabite is certainly against her. Her past does not speak well of her future. She is born in a land of paganism. Her, uh, The originator of her tribe or of her nation, Moab, was born as a result of incest. And it continued on in that nation even unto this hour. Paganism and adultery and idolatry. And uh, she was born in the midst of that nation. And as far as we know in Scripture, and that's as far as we can know, Ruth and one other person, and that other person being one of David's mighty men, are the only two people listed in Scripture that ever became a part of the people of God. Which would indicate to me that as a nation, as a whole from Moab all the way down, that certainly almost all of them died and went to hell. And so what was the hope that any would ever come out of a pagan situation like that? And here she is born in this nation. She has the burden of the curse of God, even God's curses upon this nation. He has said they shall not be allowed in the house of God until the tenth generation. The Lord uh, is against this people and forbids them to be a part of His people. And this curse is upon the whole of Moab, as the Scriptures tell us. It seems as though to me that certainly there is no future for this young lady coming out of her past. But somehow, she couples up with a family that moves down, in the earlier verses of chapter 1, from Bethlehem, Judah, from Israel. They move down into this forbidden territory called Moab. They sojourn there. And it's not long until the family of Elimelech and Naomi, the two sons, Malon and Tillion, mix and mingle with the Moabites and marry their daughters. But this marriage doesn't last long because the sting of death creeps into this situation. And it's as if that, that being in Moab is not bad enough. But now this young girl's experiencing death at a very young age. Her father-in-law passes off the scene. Her brother-in-law dies. And her own husband in a short period of time, three, die. And she stands by the graveside of her husband. I... As a result of pastoring the years that I did, I can say to you that the saddest time that there could ever be is to be standing with a young lady at a graveside who has buried her husband. And you can almost hear the whisper behind you as others are saying, I wonder what she'll do now. It's as if all hope is lost and, and that there is no light uh, for the future. And this is where she had her, not only her past is against her, but even her present is against her. Death all around her. And the only hope that she has is she is, she is connected to a embittered mother-in-law. A bankrupt mother-in-law. Who has lost everything now in the in the land of Moab as a result of her husband dying and no provisions there? But she hears that there is rain again yeah. in Bethlehem, Judah, and Amen. God has visited his people again, as he always will. Amen. Amen. And so she is impressed to go back. And she heads up and she says to her. Two daughters-in-law, I'm going back to my home and to my God. And my advice to you is you stay here with your home, your God, and your people because you know these two peoples don't mix. And so she heads up out of, out of Moab. And of course we read here in the scripture where, uh, the, the Bible says that Ruth says, I, I'm going to go with you. I'm not going to stay behind like Orpah does. I'm, I'm going with you. Well, Can't you hear her, her parents, her mother, her father? She got any brothers and sisters? Can't you hear them as they come to her? And they say to her, Ruth, come to your senses. You know how those people up there feel about us down here. They've always looked down upon us. And they tell us that even their God is against us and you're not going to be welcome up there and there's just no future in you going up there. Stay here with us. But she leaves out at best with a bitter bankrupt mother-in-law going up to Israel into a land that is forbidden territory. It just seems as though that there's not going to be a good ending to this story. And when she gets up there, The only thing that she can do is is to go into a field and to get on to what we would call in modern day welfare. She's broke, her mama-in-law's broken, so she goes into the field to beg, she says. Can't you hear the ladies of the community as they talk and say, well, have you heard that Naomi has moved back after 10 years? And I hear someone speak up and say, yeah, I heard she moved back, but I'll tell you what's getting me. Did you hear she brought that Moabite up here? Now you know a Moabite's always a Moabite. They've been born Moabites. Now what's she going to do up here? Besides, we don't have enough food to feed our own. We're just now getting out of a famine. Ain't had rain long, and now they're going to have to try to feed her. I just ain't for it. It would seem as though that it's just, there's just no future in Ruth's life at all. It's a dismal, dark picture at best. But you know, I come to Matthew chapter number one and verse number five. Amen. Amen. The genealogy of Amen. the Lord Jesus Christ who his great, great grandparents were. And if you'll notice in that in verse five and verse number six, you'll notice that nestled into that genealogy is a young lady by the name of Ruth. Amen. And yes, it is the same Ruth that we're reading of the text tonight. Amen. She, in Matthew chapter number one, is in the genealogy the, the great, 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 great grandmama of the King of Glory. Amen. Now, my question to you, oh, and, 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 and by the way, Did you know that every mother in Israel, the reason, the primary reason that mothers wanted children, they wanted especially boys, because they hoped that they would be the mother of the Messiah to deliver Israel. That they would be a part of of that lineage that would bring the royal son into this world. And here we find this young lady who seems to have no future at all. Several hundred years later it is recorded that she has been privileged to be a part of the family that brought Jesus into this world. I want to ask you something. You reckon you'll see her in heaven? I think so. Amen. But my question to you tonight is, how did she get from over here to over here? Yeah. How did she get from nothing to everything? <laughs> how did she get from a past that was so dark and so dismal to a future that is full of so much light? Yeah. 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 Amen. Work. It reminds me of you and myself. Yeah. Yeah. Paul said, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom we also had our conversation in time past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, in his mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, that in time, at that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope. And without God in this world, yes. but that is the description of all sinners. Yes. All sinners. Ruth is born without hope, yes. and she is as sure for hell as the day she was born. Yes. And so it is with every sinner left to themselves in the environment and situation they're born and raised, they will go to hell. There is no hope. None whatsoever. And so, my question to you is, is how did she get a future? And also, how do you get a future? How do I get a future? I was born and raised back in the hills of West Virginia. My dad drank all of his life. My mother left when I was a year to a year and a half old. I've never set eyes on her. There were nine youngins in our family, nothing but alcohol and pool halls and drinking every single day. Raised in that total environment. I've already buried two brothers in their 40s as a result of alcohol being brought up in that situation and in that environment without any hope. You say, well, preacher, how'd you get where you are tonight? That's what I'm preaching on. How do you get a future out of all that mess? Let me point it out to you. Three things. First of all, I want you to notice with me, where did Ruth get her future? Her future was in her. Now, this is evident from the verses that I read to you in verse 16, 17, and 18. As it begins to surface that she has something in her that is different. And tonight, If I could find out what is working in you, I could tell you what your future would be all about. And Ruth, in this chapter and in these verses, she begins to reveal that there is something working on the inside of her that's going to make a difference as to her future. It's what's in you tonight that counts as far as your tomorrow is concerned. Again, in the book of Ephesians, he said, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The reason why the children of disobedience is because they got something in them. And it's called the spirit of disobedience. But on the other hand, the Bible said it is God that worketh in you Amen. both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There were some things that got into Ruth that none of the situations she is raised in could overcome, but it overcome her and brought her out of it. Yes, Notice what she had in her. Look in verse number 16. First of all, I noticed she had God in her. No, honey, I don't care what your circumstances are today. If you've got God in you, you've got a future. Now, we didn't know she had God in her until she got to testifying. All we knew was she was just an old Moabite. It's kind of like a Wednesday night prayer meeting service. And everybody's moaning and groaning. And uh, even mama-in-law stands up and says, I want you to know the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And it's a real cold service. And I see a young lady slip through the back door, sit down in the back. She raises her hand and she says, Preacher, if you don't mind, I'd like to testify. Everybody knows that she's not church folk. And she's not from around here. And she said, I just want to stand up and say that I want God to be my God. And I'm going on the way with Him. Somebody said, what happens? Somehow, amidst all that mess, God got in her. And the only hope for any sinner is if God gets in you. Born again of the Spirit of God. You see, God was working in her. He was doing a calm work. Nobody else knew it was happening. (laughs) He was doing the conforming work. She done had it made up in her mind. I'm not hanging around here. I'm a pulling out. Oh, she said, I'm moving on. I'm tired of this mess down here. Moab ain't for me. Even her mom and daddy tried to coax her in and couldn't pull her back there. She left out. Somebody said, how come God got in? And if you get God in you, God will always head toward God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. You <laughs> <laughs> had God in her. And Mama Law said, God's a working up there. She said, I'm going to where God's a working. Amen. That sounds like it. Amen. God was doing a confessing work. Amen. Just out of nowhere, she begins to talk about the God of Israel that she's going to follow. Yes, sir. Yes. He does a constraining work in her. I mean, boy, you're talking about a form of evangelism that we don't know anything about. The only kind of evangelism we know of in this day is evangelism that sings 109 stanzas to try to make everybody come so we can mark it up that we got one more sinner in. Well, if you had to pull them down, I don't know if you got a sinner in or not. Amen. Honey, you wouldn't have had to sung a half a stanza right. for this old girl. Amen. You better get out of the way. She's a coming out. Well, that's the kind of evangelism I like. I like kind of evangelism that says, no, you don't need to be saved. You just stay right there. Go you ahead. don't know if you can do it. If Amen. you can keep from it, keep from it. Yeah, go ahead. That's it, brother. <laughs> Amen. I, I like that, don't you? Amen. Yeah. That's what Elijah told Elisha, throwed the mantle on him, walked up. And he said, Wait a minute, man of God. I got... he said, I didn't I didn't tell you to come follow me. Go ahead. Oh, he said, but I'm going with you. Yeah. Now I'm here to tell you thirty-two years ago when the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart, I don't believe hell or high water had stopped me from coming yeah. to Jesus. She said, I'm falling out. Mama in law said, Well, just stay here with your God. She said, You kidding? <laughs> Ain't nothing here for me. I'm pulling out. Amen. Oh, she did a constraining work. God was appalling in her. All the time A pulling in her. God doing the work. and It was a constant work. I don't know that she ever returned to Moab. As a matter of fact, I don't think she ever did. It was a constant. She had God in her. Children, I'm going to tell you, the only hope for this world is if God gets on the inside. And if he ever gets on the inside, you don't have to worry about him. He'll do his work. She had God in her. Look in verse number 2. She had grace in her. Of chapter number 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi... Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him and whom I shall find what? <laughs> she said, I got grace turning down in him. All I'm looking for is grace. If I could just find a little grace. Honey, if you get to looking for grace, you're going to find grace. Somebody said, Who? It is going to find grace. Everybody's looking for it. Amen. Amen. You don't want it, you ain't never going to find it. That's right. That's right. But if God gets a turning in you, first thing you're going to do is go looking for grace. Amen. <laughs> Amen. She had grace of working on the inside. Oh, listen. God's grace was working down there. But not only did she have God in her, not only did she have grace working in her, but notice in verse 12 of chapter 2, she had faith in her. And the Lord, this is what what Boaz said, he recognized it, and the Lord recompense thy work, a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Amen. (laughs) She said, "I'm a pulling out of Moab, trusting God. Amen. I believe in the Lord, Amen. honey. Isn't that what salvation's all about? Right. It's about God. It's about grace, and it's yes, about sir. faith. Yes, believe in God. Oh, I'll tell you, she's got a future." And Somebody said, "Where is that future? It's in her. There's an unseen heart, unseen heart, a working, a working on the inside." I remember going to visit a lady that we had sung at her husband's funeral. She was 70 years old and had a... I would never met her before, but I would found out during that funeral that she had a reputation of being a mean woman her whole life and uh, still pretty rugged as far as stern and how she talked and things like that. But I told my wife, I said, You know, I feel like I ought to go by and visit Miss Vaughn today and just try to be a comfort this couple of days after the funeral. And I went by. I didn't have no big uh, plan, you know, of winning her to the Lord. I just wanted to go by. I just felt led to go by. And I went in and I sat down. And she said, uh, "You from around here?" I said, "No." She's a stern woman. She's sitting in a recliner. She said, "You from around here?" I said, "No." She said, "Where are you from?" And the Lord opened the door right there, boy. I began all the way from the back and come right down to the place where I was sitting right there on her couch about old time salvation. Amen. This 70-year-old woman leaned across that recliner, and she looked at me eyeball to eyeball, and she didn't flinch. She said, that is exactly what I want. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about catching me off guard. I said, uh, Miss Vaughn, you mean to tell me? that?" You... She said, that. Is exactly what I want. I said, You're willing to get out here on the floor and ask the Lord? To, she got down that seven year old woman, crawled out on the floor, prayed, I'll tell you, and asked God to save her. Yeah. And it wasn't one woman, them things of getting saved, never showing up, honey. I'm going to tell you, she is faithful to the house of God, and I couldn't count the time she hugged my neck and said, I appreciate you coming by. Yeah. She had her one of those, had her radio. And she began to play a gospel station, but she wouldn't turn the radio to the end of the house, inside the house. She turned it to the outside of the house because all of her children lived around her. And she wanted them to hear the gospel story. But I say to you, what a surprise it was to me. But little did I know, God had already been working in that heart. Her future was in her. Can I say to you, secondly, where did her future come from? Her future was around her. Isn't it amazing how God uses people and places and predicaments to get us to where he wants us to be? Things and circumstances that we would never design for ourselves, God orchestrates to bring us to the place of salvation. In my own life, God used so many things that look so bad without any future to them. Yes. My father shot and killed a man in a bar that he owned. My mother left. My dad drank so much he went into DT's. I was left that home by myself, quit school when I was 14 years old. My brother lived in Cleveland, Ohio, came down to get me. He was 13 years older than me, but he drank as bad as my dad did, but he's going to make me go to school. And so I went up there and began to go back to school, but he happened to move into this little old apartment above some strange people that called themselves Christians. Now, I tell you, I've never read one verse of the Bible. I didn't know anything about God. But they'd wake us up in the morning playing one of the songs the young girl sang Amazing Grace. I never had heard it. And I'm here to tell you, God used all of those events to bring me to the place. It couldn't have been any other way. way. God using tragedy. God using circumstances. God working on... Somebody said, I'll tell you, the Lord's been taking care of me ever since he saved me. Well, I got one up on you. He took care of me a long time before he ever saved me. Huh? I didn't get in until 32 years ago, but honey, he took care of me from the day I was born. Watching out after me, orchestrating every move so he could bring me the place to where I could hear the gospel yeah. and I could be saved. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. My sister-in-law got saved. My, my brother got saved. I remember the Sunday he got saved. Our, our first language was cursing because we didn't have a mama in the home. And I remember riding down the road uh, that Sunday afternoon, I was just talking away. I didn't think about it. I was in a pickup. My brother looked at me. Joe, he said, I appreciate if you wouldn't Cussing around me. I said, well, you talking about You just cussing yesterday. He said, yeah, but I got saved today. (laughs) Oh, what a difference. And I went and heard the gospel two or three times. Walking down a little old alley, the Holy Ghost came to me. First time I'd ever heard from heaven. And God said to me, you know where you're going if you die. And I said, Lord, I'd go to hell. He said, you know, my son died for you. I said, Lord, I talked to him just like I'm talking to you. First time I ever met him. And I said, I, I, I know he died for me. And I said, Lord, I thought you had to be saved in church. I said, if you let me live till next Sunday, I'll get saved. And he said, Well, if it's all the same to you, I'll just save you now. Yeah. And he did. <laughs> Thank God that's been 32 years ago. What a difference yeah. it made. Yeah. But God used yeah. the circumstances. Yeah. Notice how he uses a famine, yeah. he uses a backslidden family, yeah. he uses a funeral. Yeah. And he uses a field to bring this girl to the place of salvation. God's all around her working, wooing her into the family. You never know. You never know where God's going to show up. Never know. Esther and I used to hang wallpaper and paint. And... uh, Oftentimes I'd go to the paint store to get some paint mixed. I was always amazed when you take that paint chart to have a color mixed and the guy will go get a base color of paint that's never been mixed and he'll slide it under that little spindle that's got all those canisters on it and you'll want an off-white. Then he'll just spin it all around and he'll squirt some yellow in it, real bright yellow. And you'll say to yourself, oh man, when I take this home, my wife is going to kill me. This is not going to work. And then you know, he's not alarmed at all. He's just whistling. He'll spin it on around. Maybe put a real bright red in it. Put the lid back on it. Take it over and put it in the shaker. Let it shake. he would be writing the formula down. You'll get around there and put the formula, stick it on top of it, put a, a stir stick on top of it, and he'll say, Can I help you with anything else? And you'll say, Well, now, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like for you to take a lid off that thing. I want to see if it <laughs> matches up. And if he takes a lid off that thing, he'll put a little bit of it on that wooden stir stick, take a blow dryer and blow it dry, and he'll match it up with that chart. And if he's done his job, and I've had it done hundreds of times, he will match that up. And what you'll do is you'll leave out of that place and in your mind you will say, How in the world did he take all the colors that I did not want, put them in one bucket, shake it up, and bring the one color that I did want? I'm here to tell you that's how God works. He takes the colors that we don't want squirts them into our lives, hands us to the Holy Ghost and he shakes us up. And we think God's making a major mistake. But I promise you one of these days in glory he'll take the lid off of that thing and you'll be just like Jesus. Hallelujah. God using the things that are around us. Her future. Who would have believed it was in her? Her future, who would have believed it, was all around her and all that mess. God not only working in her, but God working around her. Not only do we see an unseen heart, but we see an unseen hand. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Can I say to you thirdly and lastly, not only was her future in her, not only was her future around her, but her future was beyond her. You can't judge tomorrow by today. You see, what God was doing in her life was beyond her. It was beyond her imagination. Did you see her as she's down by the graveyard and she's weeping? And you and I, knowing what we know, we go down to the graveyard and we say to her, Now Ruth, just quit crying now for a little while. Let me tell you what's happening here. Don't worry about it. See, the reason why your husband's dying is because you're going to couple up your mother-in-law and she's going to take you up to Bethlehem, Judah. You go out in a field. When you go out in a field, you run into a man by the name of Boaz. Honey, he's rich. You marry him and when you marry him, you become rich. And then you're going to have a little son by the name of Obed. Obed will have a son by the name of Jesse. Jesse will have a son by the name of David. And David's going to be the great-great-grandpa, Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes. And she'd look at you and say, are you crazy? <laughs> I don't believe a word of that. You know why? Because what God was doing was beyond her imagination. She, she could never fathom what God was putting together in her life. Her future was beyond her dictation. What God was doing, she didn't really have anything to do with it. God came after her. God put the pieces of the puzzle together. God got in her heart and God wooed her. He was doing it all. This thing of salvation is not me and you and God doing something. It's God doing it all in our hearts and on our behalf. She has no idea how this thing is going to turn out because there is an unseen horizon. God is working in the midst of the mess. And He has, a, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Her future was beyond her. She just couldn't imagine it. Couldn't imagine it. I'm sure you've had it uh, happen here, as it has in many areas, that you had five generations alive in one family at the same time. Have any of you known of that around here? You see it in the newspaper. Yeah. Five generations. Uh, Esther's uh, uh, sisters got four generations already alive in her family. Since I'm doing the preaching tonight, let me just suppose. I don't know if it's this way or not, but I'm supposed. Did you know that Ruth would have only had to have lived to the fourth generation to have been able to have seen David? This fourth generation. She's a young woman. And if she lived to be 75 or 80, I'm sure she got to see. Now I'm just going to imagine Can you see her now? She's sitting out on the front porch. That old Moabite Center girl didn't have nothing now. And she owns a field, the whole field. Been turned over to her. She's an old woman now. And I see somebody kicking up some dust and running up toward the house. She's in a rocking chair and they're hollering. they're saying, Mama Ruth, Mama Ruth. They get a little closer and she says, yes, honey, what is it? And I can see him as they say, Mama Ruth, you know Samuel the prophet? Oh, she said, yeah, I know him. i, I fed him many times and probably did because they were contemporaries, lived at the same time. Oh, well, Mama Ruth, this morning, Samuel came down from Shiloh. And he brought some oil and he poured oil on your great, great uh-huh. grandson. He's going to be next king in Israel. <laughs> And you see her as she grabs her little hanky begins walking back and forth on the porch saying, woo, woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. And somebody said, Mama Ruth, what is it? What are you excited about? She said, I don't have time to tell you how that I was an old pagan, morbid sinner, girl. I started, God got my heart and I started out of Moab for Israel. But I know the Israelites didn't like me. Got up here and went into a field looking for a little grace. Yeah. Mary boys, they turned the whole field over to me. Now here I am, just a Moabite center girl. And my great great grandson's the next king on the throne. That's something to shout about. Hallelujah. <laughs> what a future! Everybody. God. You know, that ain't all of it. That ain't all of it. One of these days in glory, you'll come across a little lady up there and she'll shake hands with you. She'll say, you know me. If you read your Bible, you do. You remember reading the book of Ruth? I'm her. You read in there, how is this a Moabite? All my kin folks ain't many of them up here, lost. Just a Moabite. You read in there how God led me out of Moab? You read in there how that my great great grandson became king in Israel? That's the truth. Somebody said, "Who is that old lady? Walks around like she owns a palace." <laughs> She don't look like she's from around us. Somebody said, shh, don't say anything. That's the king's great-great-grandmother. But can you see her? And she looks into your eyes and she says, my great-great-grandson was king in Israel, but that ain't nothing. You see the one on the throne? That's my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson. <laughs> He's the Lord of glory. Somebody said, where'd you get all that? (laughs) What a future. He said, well, God got in me. He took the circumstances around me and He led me out. Isn't that the story of a sinner's life? God getting in you. Taking your circumstances as they are and pulling you out of this old world. And boy, the finishing touches are yet to be seen. Yeah. Amen. I feel like I'm just now in the field. <laughs> Who in the, What in the world is it going to be when this thing's over with? And we get to glory and catch a glimpse of what we have in our future. Somebody said when we get to heaven, Simon Peter is going to open. No, he ain't going to open no gate for me. I reckon my kinfolk ought to know me, don't you? Amen. My name's already written down on her. Amen. She got a future.